Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Dickie Roberts, former child star. With special guest, Morgan Garrity. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Stuart. Dickie Roberts, former, former child, child star. star. That movie is, is knocking fuss. Great job, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Only really took two tries. It. it only took two tries. <laughs> That's right, folks. Welcome back to Travolting. Thank you for listening to our episode last week on Die, Die Hard. <laughs> the uh, return to the John Travolta well. The audience has had a two-episode gap between Brendan Fraser. Yes. Because two weeks prior, we had to do the Oscars episode. Of course. Celebratory for Brendan Fraser winning. Yes. And then last week, you guys listened to Die Hard. The new um, Amazon Prime. The TV new Amazon show. Prime. No movie. <laughs> movie. Movie. <laughs> Margaret, they they took a Quibi show. Yes. And they turned it into a movie. Oh and no! And so we had to cover it. Of course. Because we cover movies. <laughs> and so like this thing that from like four years ago that Travolta was in, we now had to talk about last week. How did it feel? It was it was maybe his best performance in a decade. You think so? <laughs> Shocking. Wow. I was shocked. I honestly, I want to give the best performance of the decade to his forehead alone at the Oscars. Because <laughs> <laughs> that thing, it really it had no lines. It was fantastic. I've always said that Travolta has never looked better when he decided to lose the hair. Because we had a rough period of time Thank where Travolta us. tried the wigs. Yeah. He tried the wigs. Remember and I Am Wrath? Remember Poison Rose? <laughs> he was he, walking around with like a dead raccoon on his head, essentially. Here's, here's the biggest problem with Poison Rose. Because you could say I am Wrath. It's like, you know, they just thought, oh, we'll just make him, give him some hair, make him look like old and grizzled, whatever. And then that was the result, right? And it, you could say it's like, well, they didn't have the time. There's budget. Maybe it was an accident. like, And they just had to go with it. Poison Rose looks the way it does through intention they intended the wig to look like that because john travolta said himself that he wanted him to look like a fucking lion in that movie wait i have to find if you look up the, the poster to poison rose and see his oh, hair oh no he it looks like Oof. a lion's mane it does but the line between the forehead and like the hairline looks like it's colored on by sharpie it, there's it's... like literal you can see underneath them in some of these movies yeah oh wow I think he definitely looks like a lion. I think he's selling it. And it's intended. Stuart, have you <laughs> quite put together that we have to cover the poisoner as a second time? I have been pushing that thought further and further away. Morgan. And the fact that we... we Morgan, this is a movie we talked about in our Travolta days mm -hmm. that also has Brendan Fraser in it. Yes, I'm seeing the credit right here. And as such, we have to cover it again. Of course, but through the Fraser lens. Yes, who did you interview for the first one? No one. Oh. May I think we just need to do it, just the two of us. Again, yeah, like and find another hour of content in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, do you think we could find like a guest to like bring on the Brendan Fraser Poison Rose episode and like maybe we have to make them listen to the first. Do we put one. Kathy Schumann on it? <laughs> Is Kathy Schumann the right call? Maybe. I feel like you guys should do sort of like a face-off situation and be each other. For the revisit. So, like, you are mm -hmm. Stuart and you are Jeff. 
Oh, Morgan. <laughs> we did that with the face-off episode. <laughs> I'm sorry for not listening to that. No, it's fine. <laughs> That's we, really hilarious, actually. The, the bit uh, failed I, catastrophic. It was oh, so bad. No. I, didn't, I didn't tell him we were going to do it in advance. I just said right before he pressed record, I said, go with it. And um, then he's like, what? And then he pressed record, and I was just like, so Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I went with it. And you are throwing down Red Bulls left and right. You're like well, a different person by the end of the day. He's like smoking the vape. He's like drinking the I Red Bull. I to a different plane. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. like taking espresso shots like a fiend. Well, and then you said, so Jeff, do you want to go through the context corner? I did not prepare a context corner for the entire episode. And so I made this alternative bit within the bit where it's like, well, Stuart, didn't we say for the face-off episode that we were going to switch roles? So he did a face-off within a face-off to yes. get me to say the context the thing corner. Did you did you write the context I corner? Did. So it I worked. Was, I was prepared. What, right, what? <laughs> what is a three-level meta face-off like? What does that become? Do you like move into a new dimensional plane? Like, in theory, is it not face-on at that point? That's true. Because like you're. Is it is it you're taking your face off and putting it on another person, but then they put the face back and then they put the face back again? Or is it that when you take the face off and put another person that you're just adding layers of dimension? They never talk about in face off like the height disparagement thing. That fact that Travolta has broader shoulders than Nicolas Cage. No, why would they? The, the, also the bone structure would not yeah. match like the yeah. face wouldn't sit the same right they have on to the other face especially travolta he's got like a like a just a more square face than nick cage does he's like a roblox exactly he's a walking roblox and so if you tried to take like a rubber nick cage face <laughs> uh-huh. and put it over travolta you have to like shave down the cheekbones and like mm-hmm. the skull they and... call it a buccal fat i believe that, really? that's what they're saying Do you, wow have you heard of this no um in the instagram model world the influencer world like your buccal fat is the fat on your cheeks and whoa. people are getting it shaved whoa yeah it's controversial because it's like why um but that's that's what needs to happen in a proper face-off situation wow yeah. how does that like pan out in like 10 years though after no, they do we that? don't know we're just like we'll we're find just out doing in it. Years. you know we don't know what these elf bars are doing to our bodies that's also true it. i can't i can't really speak to <laughs> body transformative habits <laughs> A walking time bomb right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're here to talk about Dickie Roberts, former child yes. star. Speaking of um, people who have you know destroyed their bodies and soul. <laughs> uh, uh, Dickie Roberts. That's good. That was good. Yeah. That was Wonderful really good. transition. That was great. Good one, Jeff. Um, a movie that is less a comedy and more a desperate plea to respect child stars. He, he, yeah. Uh, mm. Why do I get the vibe when I look at the poster, Crocodile Dundee? It does look like the Crocodile Dundee in L.A. poster. I I wish that David Spade had had been able to do a Crocodile Dundee movie. I feel like that that's a nice fit. So this is um, well, it's not quite the poster, it's but it's of, of similar poster, vi- but... similar vibes. Oh, it's the energy. Yeah, it's the same energy. Uh, a film this, that this poster feels more like that. Yeah. Well, it, it, and like like this too. Yeah. yeah. With with the Dickie Roberts. What is what is this poster um, inferring that he got arrested when he doesn't ever get arrested in the film? Yeah, he's holding up a license plate. Yeah, but in front of this like police lineup, this this gives us nothing that actually happened in the movie. He does. I don't think so, I've ever seen him wear 
these hat aviator like that, sunglasses the aviators. either. He's also not wearing gloves. He's got the- no. He's got the the Michael Jackson glove. Oh yeah, he's yeah. got the Michael Jackson glove on one hand. Something that he doesn't wear in the movie, to my understanding. No. So I feel like this is an exceptional segue into the context corner for this movie. Wonderful. Yeah. I will talk about Brendan in a minute, but I want to talk about this movie. This is not a lot of Brendan to talk about, unfortunately. Yeah. So this movie, um, originally written in the early 90s by David Spade as an SNL skit, mm. does not get put on the air. They then pitch it as a TV show to the WB, does not get picked up. He finally, 10 years down the line, decides this is my moment. I am David fucking Spade, and I'm going to lead a movie for Happy Madison. And I am going to do my Dickie Roberts former child star movie. And they write it as a hard R comedy, um, which is not the movie that gets made. Um, so they write it as a hard R comedy with a lot more like, it's more just generally about a guy spiraling. And that's the joke of the movie. Yeah. It's like, you're just watching him like collapse and maybe there's some redemption arc at the end as a lot of these happy Madison movies do. Um, but that's, you know, that version, no one wants to fund. So goes through an extensive rewriting process. Um, and eventually we get the movie that we have now. But I think this poster kind of comes from that original idea of what if we just made a movie about a child star absolutely losing their shit? Which we have seen a million times over yes. in real life. Um, so I think that with that intention, it could have been done very well. Yes. Uh Making it family friendly was their greatest demise. It's a wild choice for this movie. One thousand, especially because he wants to bone the mom so yeah. badly. Yeah, and they're trying to like, you're trying to be on his side, but it's inevitable that you aren't because yeah. it's weird. <laughs> it's absolutely bug nuts that this movie gets turned into like him being like teaching the kids how to like a family man, how to become like how to be a bad person. Yeah, he's like teaching the whole family how to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's like the great arc. That that's what he brings to these yeah. people. Is he's like, yeah, you should, you know, perform to Christopher Cross at your um, cheerleading tryout. Oh, and then he slut shamed a child. Yes, he called a child a slut. Yes, I was like, oh. <laughs> whoa! I watched this when I was a child, and I was probably like, that's a slut. Yeah, you know, like my little child brain. Yeah, and like just the concept of a former child star. Like going off the rails and then finding their way back. That's still not like the concept you want to make a family friendly comedy about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is like, what was it? Like, there's another, there's plenty of examples that we've covered in movies past that have the same problem of like, this is like such like an old dog situation. It's the old dog situation with Robert Williams and John Travolta. It's filmed as an R rated movie and cut to be PG 13. Yeah, and doesn't work. But it worked with Megan. I don't, who's to say when it works? Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think Megan at least has the advantage of like, it can still be what it, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. This like, when you take it from a craven comedy, which is what it should be and make it into family friendly joy ride. <laughs> it like, but it's not family friendly either. Enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like that's why it's confusing. Yeah. It, it's still like it, it borders both lines of like, like this isn't quite what I would like feel comfortable showing my kids like at, the, at a certain age, but also like it's not like a hard raunchy R either. I don't know. One thing I would want to add though, Jeff, is when you said like this started off as an SNL skip, I think it was intended for Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Which like mm. I don't know how old is Macaulay Culkin in two thousand three. Like thirty uh, something probably. Wait no. 
because David Spade was 38 when he made this. And I feel like that was bordering on too young. Macaulay Culkin would be 23 in 2003. 23? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It, when, it was written for Macaulay Culkin post Home Alone 2. Yeah. Which, I and I don't know, like, I know Macaulay Culkin's gone through some stuff, too, but... I don't like what was he like active in the early 2000s? I believe wise? he wasn't doing much. Right. That's when it was like he was going through what looked like a hard time, was very thin, chain smoking cigarettes often. Yeah. Like that era, Macaulay Culkin. He retires after Richie Rich in 1994, which is a funny sentence. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, imagine if there was like an alternate universe where like he never stopped acting, but was still like going off the rails as he was just imagining what a 23 year old Macaulay Culkin would have done with this role. I, Look, I'm, I'm just going to say, and this is no shade to Macaulay Culkin. I'm just like saying that I think there's a reason that this movie is about former child stars and has cameos from probably 50 former child stars. Mm-hmm. And yet Macaulay Culkin does not appear. Yeah. He's too young. He I hasn't think, he hasn't developed past it yet. Well, he's in his like problem phase right as this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz he get his he first gets arrested in 2004. Mm, okay. Yeah, he's in the thick of his problem phase. Yeah. Cuz like there's a lot of like Morgan, you mentioned this before Sarah Quorum. There's a lot of people in this movie. Oh, who the go table on, of doom. Yeah, the table of doom. The absolutely cursed table. Who like after this movie everything goes wrong. So, Corey Feldman died Let's let's look that up. Like him sitting next to Dustin Spence, like all of it. He passed away in. Oh, it looks like two thousand and four, two thousand sixteen. So he still had like ten years left. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, Corey Haim is the one who died. Corey Feldman's still alive. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> Corey Feldman was recently in The Lost Boys three. Oh, Fork. Wow. I thought he passed away. I, it I, was the other Corey. Yeah, the two Corys who were in The Lost Boys. Yeah. Those poor kids. Yeah. The, <laughs> all the, the poor people in this movie. Yeah. And then it's like uh, Dustin Spence did pass away. He, he had cancer. But also like the last decade of his life wasn't wasn't looking too hot either. He was in like a porno, I believe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. This, the, what was the Screech porno? I looked up. I found the Lost Boys three starring Corey Feldman. Oh wow, his hair wow. is still so cool. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, had to bring that up. Oh god. Yeah, I mean, he was Corey Feldman was going through his, you know, shade stuff from like the eighties. Yeah. yeah, he does like, not look good in it, this movie. And I don't think I think it took him a long time to like. I mean. It was. Is there like a notable story about where, when he like finally got clean? If he's clean or like if he's still going through it? Because I know like the '80s were like the heyday of where he was like the problem, like person on set. Well, like he almost got fired from the first Lost Boys. You you are an incredibly handsome teenage boy. Like you have no idea how to be a person. All you know is that everyone likes you. Yeah. I don't. It's it's hard for me to blame child stars for acting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, but this I feel like we should start off with like what our overall thoughts are on this movie, and then we can talk plot wise. Because yeah. I don't know, I 
I thought like this movie had the makings like if it was like R it went if it went full raunchy R and it didn't cast Ke- <laughs> uh Kevin Spade because I thought Kevin Spade was not David Spade. Oh, David Spade? You're getting oh. dangerous close to saying Kevin Spacey. I, I, Kevin, I was hearing, but also I was like, Kevin Klein? Kevin what? Klein or whoever. <laughs> David Spade. David Spade. Uh, take out David Spade and put in, honestly, I thought, what if this was Brendan Fraser? If you put Brendan Fraser in the role yeah, as like the former child star that goes off the rails. Brendan Fraser, who is not a child star at all. I don't think is David Spade. Well, he, he started at like yeah, 20. he was in like, well, like a, an acting conservatory in his late teens. Yeah, like, he's not like Macaulay Culkin Home Alone. No, big. he wasn't a part of the factory right. as a child. And the man grew up in Indiana too. So did he? Midwest grounded values. Wait, where you know? was he born? Indianapolis. Oh, I didn't know he was a Hoosier. He's a Hoosier. I was uh, I was watching his GQ breakdown a couple of weeks ago and. Uh, a lot of people who aren't from the Midwest who meet me are like, you're such an earnest person, like your honesty. And I'm like, I'm just from Indiana. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew how to be a little more cool and interesting, but I'm honest. Well, like, <laughs> and, and, we, and we talked about like Fraser, like not coming from like the, like the show biz, like early development, mm-hmm. like pool of people. Nepo which, babies. Right. He's not a Nepo baby. Exactly. And like Travolta, I, I I don't think we can classify him as a nepo baby. I know like his mother had like some yeah. Tra- uh, Travolta was not a nepo baby, but he definitely he came from the world of it. Yeah, because mm. I think his mom had like, like some showbiz yeah. uh yeah chops, and like that's what got him into because he did like a Broadway musical at like sixteen or whatever something like that. Like it's that, been he was so long since we talked about Travolta's, Travolta's younger years. years. But like, and then he's like, when he's like nominated for an Oscar at seventeen or nineteen, like Is that for Bubble Boy, uh, Saturday Night Fever. Oh, Saturday Night Fever, he gets nominated the for an boy. Oscar. Remember the boy in the plastic bubble? That's what it was. The boy in the plastic bubble, bubble. boy is the is the remake. Yes, with the, um with Jake Gyllenhaal, right? I think so. Yeah, right. that was that was definitely like it was on Comedy Central a yep, lot. Jake Gyllenhaal, Bubble and boy, I thought he was so handsome. That was my my first Jake Gyllenhaal film. Oh my film. god, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Bubble Boy, inspired by the boy in the plastic bubble. Wow. Oh my god. Look at this. There he what is. a movie! Wow, the seventies were a different time. Morgan, the the boy in the plastic bubble has my favorite cameo in any movie ever. Oh Who is it? God. At the opening credits, it ends with with a special appearance by Buzz Aldrin. Oh my god. And I'm like, Buzz Aldrin's in this movie? Oh my god. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin appears in this movie. But only on a TV within another scene. Like he's meeting with John Travolta. Like John Travolta is like you know he's trapped in the bubble, mm-hmm. and Buzz Aldrin comes to visit him in the bubble. And they much chat. like he visited the moon. Yes, much yeah. like he visited the moon. <laughs> um, and he's just oh there, and he's God. there talking with him. And we start with the shot, but then we pan, we pull back, and it's on a TV that other characters are watching. So like I they, love that. That's that's they, deep. They filmed a whole scene with Buzz Aldrin. Put it on a prop in another scene, and then put that scene in the movie. Cinema. It's my favorite it's cameo in any movie. It's so Wait, bizarre. Wasn't it a made-for-TV movie too? It was. Oh, that's cinema. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, I my my only thought with Fraser is like he doesn't come from that background, yeah. mm-hmm. and it would be very interesting to see what he does with a role that asks him to like, okay, like you need to yeah. pretend that you're like a child star. Yeah. 
who's like going crazy off the rails. This very grounded, like who's your Indiana boy. Who's like a yes man on set. Who's just like working his way up. Like he has very humble beginnings and finally got his breakout role. He's like, now you need to play this role like as if everything's been handed to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have loved to have seen what Fraser would have done with that role. I would love to see it now. Yeah. Like, now that he actually has had his ass ran through the system in a very harmful way. Yeah. There's something he can go off of. Absolutely. I just don't think he could ever play funny. Like, he, like he could. Like, he could. I feel like at this point, watching a few of his interviews, he's like, I I would do a comedy. I I am not funny though he's very convinced that he's not funny Mm. it's a lot of his early stuff he's like i feel like he kind of looks back on that stuff and has a bit of a cringe to it even though like you know he's so funny in george of the jungle casino man the mummy i feel i feel like maybe he doesn't compare himself to to more verbally comedic actors but everything he's doing is slapstick that is like classic buster keaton he is nodding to what comedy is. That's yeah. what he broke his body for, is all like the, the and crazed movements that he did. Yeah. I feel like Fraser would maybe work for this version of this movie that I don't think works as a movie. I don't I think David Spade is the right choice if you're going with the original intent of yes. like just kind of this craven, like evil, like beguiled comedy about some poor sap like just absolutely being demolished <laughs> by, by the, the film system. industry like, i don't know and I his just... mother who hates him like if you go with this like terrible story where like you feel bad for laughing at this guy as he like digs his hole deeper and deeper david spade's probably the right choice for you yeah i don't know i just wasn't laughing at any of david spade's like well that's because the movie like it's it's too earnest yeah I, I guess that's a good point. It's mm. like trying to be a little bit earnest with him. He's handicapped by the fact that the movie has to keep going back to like the real meaning of family. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Cause there's like, there's moments in the movie where it's like, he's like, ah, like doing weird, crazy mm. stuff. And he's like going in like auditions and being so weird. It's like, yeah, I know what it's like to get a bicycle or whatever. Yeah. And then he's walking out of the audition room. It's like, yeah, well, I never really knew my father, and my mother never really loved me, and and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Out of nowhere, the Just, trauma dump. The piano music comes in. Oh, he's, he has feelings now. And I'm like, like oh my god, yeah. So I guess that's a good point. It, just, it was the it was the blending of those two bits where I was like, David Spade is not right for this. So this movie is not nearly cancelable enough. Yes, I was having yeah. a very similar thought. Yeah, there were like moments. I believe there was like an R R bomb at one point, and I was like, yeah. "Uh, I have to like excuse it, but yeah. I, I want this to be more cancelable." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like this movie, it makes like multiple insensitive jokes. There's like a gay stereotype character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's... there's the whole like asking the kids if they think their mom is hot bit yeah. that like made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> for me, it was like when he's going through each like when he's like interviewing the families to like live with and then it goes to the black family and yeah. it's very uh yeah. i was like oh did like, not land that was not good at yeah. all it was very bad very stereotype but like and then you mentioned the cheerleading dance scene slut shaming children slut shaming children that being said the is is like the little girl's name Heather, not the daughter, but her like arch nemesis. Her ven- her I think so. Yeah, something like that. Her dance 
is extremely sexual. And the way that they shoot that scene mm-hmm. is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable. Who's the director? Weissman? Sam Weissman? The same one of George of the Jungle. Really? <laughs> yep. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was watching that, and then I wasn't watching it because I was kind of like, this I'm is... I'm looking away I'm now. looking away from this. This is too gross. Like, it's like, it gets close-ups on, like, her, like, groin area yeah. and it's like of like thrusting and shit and yeah. it's very like I don't uncomfortable like, I don't like this Chrissy wake up <laughs> I, I will say that there is something about the way this movie was made it made me feel very frustrated with the amount of like quick cuts into montages and stuff like that where I was yeah. like exhausted of the montage use yeah by the end of the film I was like another montage happened near the ending and I was like I can't do this again yeah I'm, I'm getting some water yeah yeah, this movie has a lot of bits. Yes. It's like, oh, nope. And yet, in spite of everything we've just said, I think like, I think we all agree this movie needs to be more cancelable. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. Like, Tropic Thunder, for all people talk about it, is a movie that is so cancelable that it's made itself impervious to being cancelled. Yeah, and I will probably watch it next week. Yeah. I watched Tropic Thunder last week. It's Good. a great movie. Fantastic film. The commentary is almost better than the movie. Have you listened to the commentary? I haven't in a long time, but okay. I did like way back in the day when it first came out on DVD. Like through, I immediately put it on with commentary. Stuart, <laughs> have you ever listened to the Tropic Thunder commentary? I have not, but I've heard like, doesn't like Robert Downey Jr. do it and like the Yeah, because he says, yeah. his character says, I don't break character until I've done the DVD commentary. Yeah. So he does, so he it, does it in, it in com- full. In, in character as Kirk, as Kirk Lazarus adds Sergeant Lincoln Osiris. <laughs> <laughs> that's so really funny yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing that is that makes traffic a film like tropic thunder different is the fact that within the movie they are, yeah. they are referencing how yes. racist and ridiculous it is at no point is anyone taking a second in this yeah. film to be like what happens to child stars is fucked up yeah yeah there's no acknowledgement of like the trauma they experience yeah. despite knowing enough of it to make this movie. It's a plea for sympathy without ever like telling us where the frustration should be directed. And that's my biggest problem with the yeah. song at the end. Because <laughs> the song is just like, we're child stars. Thank you for loving us. Uh, please stop, like, I don't know, loving us so much. Yeah, stop harassing us. Stop harassing us. But mm-hmm. it's like, it doesn't go into the whole, like, we're child stars and our parents didn't love us. Yeah, all like, we needed was mommy's love. Right. It's yeah. like, it's all about, like, we're child stars. We're thankful for being child stars. Just don't forget about us. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's not like the cry for sympathy this movie needs. Like, no. like the, uh, um, imagine a version of this movie where it is so fucked up. It's so hard R. It's so craven. Like you're just la- like you feel guilty for laughing and all this, but it's just about how this system has completely destroyed this poor guy. Yeah, and like it somehow still maintains this ability of like a satire of the film industry, while still being you know fucked up and funny. Yeah, I That's, already think this is more likable. Yeah, and you almost like the character more in that scenario because you understand why he is the way that he is. A proper antihero. Yeah. It, you know, it, the Joker for our age. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, Dickie like... Roberts, former Joker. I was going to say, like, there's got to be, like, a comparison to this movie, that, but in the vein that you're describing, of, like, just describing, like, in a very hard R, raunchy, cancelable way of, like, why these people... I mean, it probably is Tropic Thunder, to be honest. But, like, it, there's something where it's very similar there's, tone and theme of it. Um... It's on the tip of my tongue, but I, I'm, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I feel really like I'm thinking of something in my head. For some yeah. reason, the first thing I thought of, and this is 
probably, I don't know why I made this connection, but the movie Starlet, mm. which is an early Sean Baker film. I haven't seen it. it it's uh, it's about, it's been a while since I've watched it, but it's like a, a young sex worker in LA, like finds herself hanging out with a much older sex worker. Like she's much older. Yeah. Um, and she's just like, we used to be a starlet and now she's like fully burnt out. Mm. I feel like that is like the more sincere version of what a Dickie Roberts story is. Yeah. Or right. just like watching any sort of documentary about Britney Spears. Right. That, that too as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of those like on my mind of like where you almost like the character, even though they're like unredeemable, but only because you know, like their backstory of where they're coming from. Um, yeah, I don't know. Jeff and I do this all the time. Yeah, we, we think of a movie and then can't name it. And can't then we name just it. Kind of there's just there's so many in the Rolodex. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll pop up partway through. Like late at night. Yeah, you pop uh, it and record it. I, I, I cannot believe I'm gonna say this. I already kind of mentioned it. The version of that this movie is good in is a comedy version of Joker, which is a movie <laughs> I dislike. Huh. I want to emphasize I don't like Joker. But if that movie is ten, is like 50% funnier, it's probably good. And it's probably just Dickie Roberts' former child star. You think so? I think it might be. I mean, they do have the song in the end, and the next Joker movie is a musical. Yes, this is true. Um, I missed, I, that, I'm getting really worried. What if Joker 2 is good? I'm, I, I'm so worried. I love yeah. Lady Gaga. Yeah. It's, like, a, it's like I have been a deep deep stand of gaga since i was yeah. 12 like i got the fame monster yeah. the week it came out at walmart like i've watched everything she's done religiously mm -hmm. and now i have to see her in the joker sequel yeah i will be seeing it in theaters oh yeah i i saw the first one in theaters and it was a miserable experience and now i'm like everything i hear about the second one it's like okay so it's a musical and lady mm -hmm. gaga's in it mm -hmm. is this brendan gleason's in it mm-hmm <laughs> You're worried it's going to be good. I'm worried. Unfortunately, like, yeah. I think it it kind of like is giving me all the vibes I wanted the first one to be. And she's Gaga's going full freaky yeah. as she does. She's yeah. very much so like. Um, unfortunately, this is going to hurt to say out loud. Uh, her her method is more of a Jared Leto Joker yeah. than it is a Joaquin, where she really hones into her character yeah. the year or two before she's. The, in it. The, her her behind the scenes stories from House of Gucci were my favorite thing. Where she's like, she, "Fully, she where is." She's like, "I ate garlic bread for four days before filming the scene." Everyone in her family and life couldn't talk to her because yeah. she was only speaking in the accent. Yeah, like in real life, she's like a character actress, oh, yeah. and oh she at the Oscars had an incredible performance, but clearly is losing her marbles a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a great role for her. Mm -hmm. Oh, I heard to say it. <laughs> I, it was very like, painful. Because <laughs> like the first Joker, the thing that it like, it's trying to be a movie that gives you sympathy for the the Joker. Yeah, but it's also but, like just yeah. it's the king of comedy. Yeah, which is an incredible film. Yeah, that could have been and released. You, you know what the Joker? You know what Joker could have made it better if it took more of the comedy from the king of comedy <laughs> title if you make that movie like 50 percent funnier it's maybe good that's a fair assessment because like the entire time it's like what if the joker got a raw deal and i'm like fuck cares if the joker got a raw deal i sure don't <laughs> it's like I don't want to but shit. i'm like what if we're just like watching the joker like fall down a flight of stairs and laughing so much at this guy and the movie makes it about how 
you're culpable in this because you're laughing at this guy. That's a, I, that's a great, that's a great turn. I enjoy that. I'm thinking about like intersplicing the images of him falling down the stairs with him dancing. Yeah. And it's just like, he's losing it and yeah. I'm laughing. Yeah. If, if I was meant, if I'm meant to laugh at Joker already minimum 10% better. If you make it intentionally funny, 50% better. It's the Megan effect again. Yeah. It's the Megan effect. It works. It's the inverse Megan effect for yes. Joker. It's, I feel like they cut Megan to be funnier when they recut yeah. it. I still need to see Megan. It's really I good. I've heard it's, it's good. So, but like, I will say it was great to see in theaters with a bunch of people yeah. who were on board with laughing at Megan. Mm-hmm. Or like a room full of people who are like, yes, queen slay. I was like, <laughs> this is the only way to watch She's this just movie. murdering people. Fully. Like, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's awesome. Watching like, and that's, that's the, 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 the trick of horror movies is you got to watch them like those types of ones you got to watch with large groups yeah because when it's just you at home like what was it um malignant Mm -hmm. a movie that i watched it at home and i'm just kind of like eh whatever until the end and then i'm like oh my god this is incredible i wish i watched this with a group yeah yeah yeah. i saw titan for the that was like the first movie i had seen in theaters since the pandemic Mm -hmm. was going to a sold out music box screening of titan Mm -hmm. in the small theater and my friend and I were one of the last people's there. So we were in the front row of yeah. Titan. Absolutely disgusted. And turning around, it's like a whole theater full of people going, ah! <laughs> together, you know? Like, I was yeah. like, this is a surreal human experience. And I'm glad I got to have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, circling back to Dickie Roberts. Yes. <laughs> we went, the yeah, other, we got to Titan. The we got other, to Titan. The other horrifying movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine Dickie Roberts where it's like, you're watching scenes of him just get like poop poured on him. I don't know. Some... Like Joe Dirt? That yeah. literally happens like Joe, to Joe Dirt. Joe does it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, fuck. he has um he there's one scene where he gets like the shit poured on him. Where at? Maybe it was like something to do with the porta potty. I haven't seen it in a while. I used mm. to watch that movie a lot as a child. i I was fucked up. Um that's my drama. I used to watch Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt a lot. Night. A lot. I, I think that if I were to play it right now on DVD, I still have the entire DVD menu mm. in my subconscious, like fully oh memorized because I would fall asleep to it that often. Oh boy. Yeah. I loved that movie, but he does like have shit poured on him at one point and then he showers and he has the iconic, like I got the poo on me <laughs> line. If you remember. <laughs> Stuart, you feel like you were a Joe Dirt kid. I never, I've never, never seen, seen Joe, Joe Dirt. Dirt. Really? Yeah. Never. Maybe I just associated Indiana with like Joe. Yeah, that I mean it's like, an appropriate association. Yeah. As an I was as a Probably. former Hoosier, I would say there are a lot of Joe Derp dirt type people. I imagine there are. Yeah. yeah. So probably a lot of dudes in Indiana get shit poured on. Them. <laughs> Once a day. <laughs> Every no time I... a bell rings, a man in Indiana. But it's like said in like an accomplishment and not like a horrible thing. <laughs> like, all right, son. Oh, it's my grandfather this week. Oh, oh we're so lucky. Congrats. <laughs> thank great. you. Thank you. We've been waiting a long top, time. Top for this recommended one. thing off this movie is in fact Joder. <laughs> I it's fun. It's a fun film. Brandy. Oh boy. Um so I think we've talked about like how to make this movie good. Um do we want to just kind of dot go through the movie and talk about some of the bits? Yes. Yeah. Um this will get us to Brendan. 
This will get us to the fairly audience, quickly. The thing that the audience at home is currently sitting there like, why are they talking about <laughs> Dickie Roberts? Because like, well, he's in it for you, five he minutes. He is in this movie. He is physically in it for five minutes, but he is like a crucial plot point yeah. for the yeah. first third of the movie. He's an essential character in this movie. Yeah. He's actually, he's like basically the, the catalyst for the entire thing that yes. Dickie Roberts goes along. And his wife. Yes. His actual wife. Yes. Loved that. Yeah. Um, what class? Lamaze. Is it Lamaze? Mm-hmm. That's a Lamaze mm-hmm. class. Okay. Um, okay. So we we start off this movie, Dickie Roberts, former child star. Um, and we're introduced to Dickie Roberts. Yeah. Former child star. Um, yeah. As, as a child star. Yes. And the show he was on was like a Partridge family-esque yeah. vibe. Yeah. And so we start with like his mother, um, who, what's her name in the film? Is it like, uh, so it is, um, Pat Roberts, who is played by Doris Roberts. Right. Um, and so Doris, who is, she's an aspiring actress, um, but is, is like falling out of her prime in like Hollywood. And so when she has, uh, Dickie who the first joke of the movie is like who his father is. Cause they talk about like, his, like his father is Hutch from, um, Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. David. I was going to save you. Why? <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Support system. Yeah. Um, but immediately starts putting him in like auditions. Yeah. Starts like dressing him up for like if he, if they yeah. wanted a cowboy they got a cowboy yeah. if they, they wanted want... Pippi Longstocking <laughs> <laughs> they wanted a girl I gave him a girl I gave him a girl it's like it was very embarrassing for me <laughs> bringing my child and dressed as a little girl with like pigtails <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> um, and then uh, gets like the first like good role and then gets landed in like the Dickie Roberts show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which was on for however many seasons. Yeah. Um, and so then pretty much after that whole montage is when like, you know, it's quickly, it gets canceled and they're just years and years spent between which of which Dickie Roberts is just pretty much doing the Culkin style. Yeah. <laughs> Going crazy. And after this montage is when we get like the wrestling match. Yes, we're introduced that he, you know, he this he starts making weird wardrobe choices. He only wears gloves. He wears gloves at all times now. Yes, that's like his thing. That's the bit is that he only he wears gloves. Why? Um, we later learn it's so that he doesn't contaminate his hands with germs. It's very Howie Mandel. Yeah, yeah. he's very locked in to this. So they have this sort of understanding and the writing that child stars probably have some sort of mental illness yeah. that is like manifested yeah in this way where he wears gloves definitely a nod to michael jackson they do nothing with that yeah they, they make a joke later he about... took his gloves off yeah and like the reaction we get's like oh the air yeah and that's really all we get yeah, i was my first night sleeping without gloves yeah but like that's psychological damage that is fully unaddressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not like, well, you know, my mom never would never hold my hand or some like they don't yeah. give any of that. There's stuff. no way to it. Yeah. So like it's like whatever, okay. 
Um, but we get the wrestling match, and they introduce Dickie Roberts, David Spade yes. coming in in wrestling gloves. Uh, we need to or, Im- important note that he does, you know, his catchphrase is "nucking futs." Nucking futs, which is why we started the episode with that. Yes, three that hours is, ago. Is, is, <laughs> this is nucking futs. Yeah, <laughs> it's his little kid uh, catchphrase, and so he gets in the ring, and his opponent that he's fighting against, I see it pulled up on Jeff's iPad. Emmanuel Lewis. Emmanuel Lewis. This it's so little, so bad. <laughs> yeah, he does get his ass kicked though. It is handed to him. Yeah, I was I, I like I was laughing my ass off when like they were bringing the kid in and he's like wearing the whole hood and everything coming in and oh my god and then um what was he saying like oh they get like the like the MGM announcer guy doing it and something gets said it's like yeah and he doesn't stand a chance like what and then emmanuel lewis goes to fucking town yeah on him. yeah just totally wrecks his shit and then it's snapshot and it's on like the cover of a magazine yeah. or something worth of no emmanuel lewis is 32 when he films that scene mm-hmm. yes yes it's he's a grown man crazy yeah um this this movie immediately just starts off and you're like okay this is the tone that we're working with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, right let's away. see where we're going. Yep. This is where we're at. Uh, he gets he gets destroyed in the wrestling match. Yeah. Um, I think that's around the time we get the uh, the lifestyles of the rich and famous needle drop. We do get that yeah. in this film. Because that's where he's, um, he's working as a valet. And uh, he just happens to... Um, because he's still, I'm trying to think about the sequence of events. So like he he he's uh, walking down the street. He sees like the cover of like his terrible wrestling match. He sees uh, Lee Garrett. Leaf. Leaf Garrett. Leaf Garrett. Yes. Leaf Garrett. God, I can't remember anybody's names in this movie. Um, Leaf Garrett, and who like says, "Hey, like, how's like you know life been?" and, and David Spade, Dickie Roberts is like, oh, it's been great. I was just on this other movie, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and yeah, it's like, oh, that's great. Um, oh, I totally miss Alyssa Milano. Yeah, Alyssa Milano. <laughs> I totally Present miss in this movie. Alyssa Milano. Very briefly. Which, that line, I totally miss Alyssa Milano, yeah. is like the theme of her role in this movie. <laughs> because I totally forget, like, she's at the wrestling match, and then they're, they're walking down this, like, abandoned road, and... Or no, they're they're driving in the car. It's like a flat tire. So he's like trying to like wrench this car up to replace the tire. She's like, you need to take the job. You need to sell your autobiography. He's like, I can't sell my autobiography. It's like, I'm in the dumps right now. I got to wait till I get a comeback. And then like as that happens, he apparently like jacks the car up too high that it falls off a cliff. Yeah. There's some crazy like stunts and like explosions in this movie. (laughs) Like this movie does have a price tag on it. Yeah. It like it does because like they literally toss a car down. They're like. Well, maybe we can like tow it up. <laughs> it blows up. So then it cuts to Alyssa Milano, and she's dressed as what you can probably imagine in an early two thousands movie looks at women in that way, just kind of more like an appeal type. Um, but she's like hitchhiking on the road. David Spade's hiding in like a bush. He's like, "All right, you remember the deal? You like pull a car over, you hold it long enough, and I'll jump in." Uh, a car pulls up, and she gets in. I see a problem with this, that there is no backseat to this car. So yeah. I'm already like, how are they going to work this out? But she closes the door and immediately drives off and David Spade's left in the wind. But like, also what's the strategy here? So like she flies the car down, she distracts the driver. He clambers in the back seat. 
Something like and, that? And the driver's I like, guess. ah! Right. A man. Right. Or there like, was no established It'd be better player. if it was just the two of them standing out there. <laughs> and then, like, someone's like, all right, I'll take my chances with the guy to get the girl. Like, that, that, like they weren't thinking this one through. They're like, no. I want her to be murdered. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> there's much. There's an advantage here if they think they can murder her. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets left, and then that's when we get to, the, like, the scene where he's in uh, L.A. or New York or wherever. He's in L.A. Yeah, L.A. Um, and he sees Leif Garrick, and... Um, that's where he tells him about, well, there's this new Rob Reiner movie that's in town. It's uh, Mr. Blake's Mr. Backyard. Blake's Backyard. And he says, oh, like, I, yeah, like, I'm totally in talks with my audition or whatever. Um, and we get a phone call scene with his manager, Sydney, who's played by John Lovitz. Played by John Lovitz. Yes. An absolutely pointless character to this film. Yeah, every I keep single forget- time he was on screen, I was like, "We don't need this." Every time we cut back to the John Lovitz plotline, I'm like, "Oh, I forgot he was in this." Yeah, yeah, and it's just like him buffooning around, not doing anything. There's one bit that I actually, I kind of laughed my ass off with John Lovitz. It's when he gives his kidney. To <laughs> that, that, is, like, that is the to only. It's in. like every single one of his bits are leading up to that one joke. So it does, and it is a funny joke. Yeah. But everything else was yeah. just like fluff. We did not need that character. Um, but he calls and he's like, "Hey, like, there's this." Uh, Rob Reiner's got this movie in town. Do you think it could score me an audition? It's like, ah, uh, like maybe I'll see what I can do. Oh, no. Chasing it. He's stalking poor Rob Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's when we get the valet scene where Dickie Roberts is, a, a, you know, valet driver Parker uh, for this restaurant. And he steals a car to drive to this audition. Yes. And as he's driving, well, he, he doesn't drive to the audition. He steals to figure out how to get the audition, right? I which don't which that does part. just like lead to him going straight to Rob Reiner's office, I believe, we, because he's like yes. selling himself, and then Rob's like, "You can audition when I know you can connect with this character," right? Because well, he goes to the office and he sees a secretary, right? Yes, yes. Because it's on his way. There's like a little bit that they establish here that it comes back at the end okay. that I thought was pretty funny. Because as he's driving, he's behind this uh, Volkswagen bug and he's like honking at it. And this guy comes out. It's like, what? You want a piece of me? And he's like, and David Spade's doing his thing. He's like, oh, whatever. Like, blah, 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 blah. And he just drives around. The dude writes down the license plate of the stolen car. And he's like, oh, I'm going to find you and I'll beat you to hell or whatever. And it's just like a lost bit. Yeah. It'll come it's... back later. Wait, what is it? I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, when did it come it back? Ca- it does kind of pay off a little bit. Um, but so then he gets to the office and that's where he's in. Um, he gets in the elevator. A secretary comes up and she's like, oh, can you hold the door? She's holding boxes. Rachel Drack. Yeah. And, and, he do- and he doesn't hold the door. So she just hits her head. Gets to the office and is waiting a little bit. The same secretary walks in with like a prosthetic bump on her head. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. It's like, well, you think I could read the script to Blake Speck? It's like, yeah, I'll absolutely let you read the script. When hell freezes over. And his chances are shot. Yeah. So he goes to his backup plan. Though He needs to find a celebrity who knows Rob Reiner who can get him in. Yes. Yes. And where do you find celebrities? Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. It is an awesome correlation. It's <laughs> such a good joke. Yes. Um, and he goes and you like expect this there to be more to the scene. But he just goes and he sits next to Tom Arnold. And Tom Arnold's just like, yeah, you know, I've been sober for however many months. Uh, not, I don't know, Rob. 
And then Dickie just leaves. That's basically the extent of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he like he he's like talking to some other folks, and one of the the AA folks who runs it, it's like, excuse me, like, are you here? It's like, oh no, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm yeah. not one of those losers. He like bashes everyone <laughs> who's in Alcoholics Anonymous, and she's <laughs> like, well, you need to be an alcoholic to be a part of AA. And so he's like, oh, and then he leaves, and yeah. then he goes to another what he thinks is another AA meeting because he sees. Brendan Fraser there. Yeah, he just sees Brendan Fraser on the side of the street walking into a, 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 like a, a room with, with his pregnant yeah. wife. Yes. With his pregnant wife. And he thinks, oh, like, it's Brendan Fraser. This must be another AA meeting. So he walks in, he sits down, he immediately is like, hey, everybody, I'm a drunk, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like a yoga class or something. It's a Lamaze. It's Lamaze. Lamaze class. So they're prepping for childbirth. Yes. <sighs> so it, Fraser then confronts uh, Dickie Roberts outside. He's laughing at him. Yeah. He's like, what the hell are you doing here, man? Yeah. And yeah. that was a really good impression. I felt that. I felt Brendan in that. I get. A, I, I felt his soul in the room. Is Brendan in the room with Brendan. you right now? <laughs> Pulls out a Ouija board. <laughs> you, you watch. You watch uh, it's episode 34 of the Fraser's Edge. <laughs> a little bit stuck with me. <laughs> and not in a good way. Um uh, so yeah, he's talking to Brendan Fraser at this point and he's, I do just want to say, I think it's, yeah. it's very fitting about where Brendan is. I want to, you know, segue back to yes, where Brendan's yes, at. Yes, you're right. Career. We should talk about mm-hmm. like, context. It, I think it's very telling for where Brendan's at in his career that his role in this movie is basically like perfect all American, like every man guy. He's yeah. in a Lamaze class. He like cares about his wife. Um, he's like, um, you think he's in an AA, but he's straight as an arrow. Like, it's just telling about where he's at and where he's perceived in his cult, in, you know, the culture. Yeah. Cause we're talking about like, you know, in his most recent movies, like your, your mummies and your God, what was the name of that fucking movie? <laughs> Journey to the center of the earth. Uh, the Quiet American. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you forget the name of the episode we covered two weeks yeah. ago? Dudley do right. Blast from the past. Monkey bone. Monkey Bone less so. Um, but all these movies, like his portrayal in them is like the goofy, lovable guy. Yeah. Like he's like the perfect, lovable character. And that's how Hollywood is, you know, or America is perceiving him. That's what being presented to us through the movies. Yeah. Typecasted. Yeah, he's being typecast in this. Yeah. He gets really stuck in this this role. It breaks him. Yeah. It psychologically breaks him. So he's like probably on the precipice of that breakdown. Yeah. When they're shooting this. Because he's he's very close to starting to lose it. Or not lose it himself, but lose like his luster. And then he basically does a run of movies trying to like get back at what he had. It doesn't work. And then he's done in like 2008, 2009. Yeah. But I agree with what you're saying. It's very interesting that. Hollywood at this point in time thinks of Brendan Fraser as a high enough name of an actor mm-hmm. that they put him as this role as himself, Brendan Fraser. Um, he does like the funny thing. It's like Brendan Fraser. And it's like, it's Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> he, he corrects. And his then last... he brings it back to the table of uh, other former child stars and continues to biff his last name. Yes. At the table, like moments later. <laughs> Guys, I just talked to Brendan Fraser. Yeah. He like <laughs> emphasizes the sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but, I, he's the only celebrity cameo in this movie playing themselves who is not played as a joke. Yeah. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner is, I mean, just the fact that he's directing this movie, Mr. Or like Mr. Robert, Mr. Blake's backyard. That's and a like, good point. 
there, very there's still a little bit of like and there's stuff. still a little bit of a joke about the type of movie that Rob Reiner makes and mm-hmm. like he gets stuck with like the fight at the end getting beat that's up. a good point yeah he loses a kidney yeah uh, he does <laughs> yeah. lose a kidney Brendan Fraser is the only one who's in this movie playing themselves who is not played as a joke yeah he's a part of a larger joke but he's like played as like very serious the one who can get you the connection has he ever Actually, first first thought was you're telling me Emmanuel Lewis can't kick ass. <laughs> second thought is <laughs> I feel like Emmanuel Lewis was playing himself totally. Yeah. Um, second thought is was he ever in a Rob Reiner film? Does he actually have a connection? He does not. Let me double confirm that. I actually, have Rob Reiner's filmography pulled up, but no, he's never in a Rob Reiner movie. So I I guess I would love to hear that part of the story. How does Brendan Fraser have? Rob's direct line. What happened there? Maybe they're Give just me like, that movie. Fraser's Maybe. just like big enough that he has like. I he just for some reason has Rob. He like woke up one morning and Rob Reiner's number was in his phone. He has no memory of how it occurred. <laughs> like He's a like, meet cute. Yeah. Like you go, you go in from the bar and you're like, oh, I went home with Rob Reiner's number. Oh my God. <laughs> I wish I, I just had Rob Reiner's number in my phone. Yes. I could just call him up. Yeah. Sick. Uh, but so in Dickie Roberts talking to Fraser and he's like, hey, like there's that. Uh, Rob Reiner movie like I'm trying to get in a room with him like can you help me out and he's like I'll give him a call I'll, I'll let you know what he says um, and so he leaves from there and then that's when we cut to the table of doom scene yes <laughs> so let's talk about who's at this table uh, I have the fucking list right here yeah <laughs> it's like Danny Bonaducci Danny Bonaducci who's in the Partridge family uh, Corey Feldman Dustin Spence uh I think is Leaf Garrett at the table with them later? Yeah, it's Leaf yeah. Garrett. He doesn't say much. It's Leaf Garrett, Barry Williams. Oh yes, the B, uh, the Brady Bunch guy. Corey Feldman, Dustin Diamond, and Danny Bonaduce. Dustin Diamond, not Dustin Spence. Just a a cursed lineup. Absolutely yeah. cursed. And so they're playing poker. Um, one of them, I can't remember who it is. The one from the Brady Bunch has like this funny bit where it's like, all right, I'm going to put in, uh, this amount of chips plus this tiny little tiki prop that I say from like the Brady Bunch is worth like 50 bucks on eBay. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I can't yeah. square with another $50. Yeah. They're raffling off all their, or, um, betting all their like memorabilia from these shows that they were in. Yeah. I, Just I, emphasizing that they're no longer making actual money. Yeah. Yeah. So Morgan, how many people at this table um, get away from this movie scot-free in the future? Like, how many of them continue on so, without problems? So, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I feel like uh, the Brady Bunch guy at this point is, like, over the hill of being, um, like, through his insanity phase. I think all of the Brady Bunch kids had a moment, though, uh, where they they rebelled. Like, I've most famously the youngest Brady boy who was on all of those VH1 shows. He was on like uh, the surreal life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Danny Bonaduce, I think is fine. Corey Feldman did not look good when he was shooting this film. And I think he's for the most part over his, his addictions now, but had them. Uh, Dustin Diamond did not make it. Rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. Um, I think this was at the point in his career where he was uh, shooting pornography. Uh, just before he moved to Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> the best place. To the move. best place to join the porn industry. Yeah, I mean that's where the business is booming, from yeah. what I understand. Um, I don't know much about where Danny Bonaduce went though. 
I'm assuming he also had a phase. Can I read you three things from Danny Bonaducci's Wikipedia? Please. Oh, there are arrests. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm going to read three important details. Number one, Bonaducci has a black belt in karate. What? <laughs> okay. Secondly, on March 9th, 1990, Bonaducci was arrested while attempting to buy cocaine in Do- Daytona Beach, Florida, while hosting an event for D.A.R.E. aimed at children. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That's, That's so cool. I love that. Do you uh, imagine he's like giving that talk on cocaine? He's like, yeah. all right, listen, kids. All right, so <laughs> don't be like me. Cocaine, you see. <laughs> you and, can use it sometimes. <laughs> it's a really bad drug. A <laughs> it's a bad drug. One second. It takes another hit. Oh, wait, uh, wait. Jeff, read the next arrest. The Devon she was arrested in Phoenix for beating and robbing Darius Barney, a transvestite oh, no. sex worker. Oh, <gasps> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the next arrest you had this in is, mind? Yeah, this is 12 I, I, years I'm... before he's in this movie. Oh, no. Oh, my God. The, the last thing I really wanted to read is he once stated on MSNBC's Scarborough Country that personally, I think at this point, if anyone had a rope thick enough, I think Rosie O'Donnell should be strung up for treason. <gasps> The amount of both physical and verbal crimes against the queer community here. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he hates Jane Fonda, too. Yeah. Uh, wow, he's a real winner. I think. And then he's in this movie. <laughs> so you know who should be in this movie? Ew. Speaking of her, Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, my God. Yes. Brendan yes. Fraser's yes. best friend. <laughs> oh, my Lord. We've covered a disproportionate amount of Rosie O'Donnell on this show. Really? Yeah, we watched this movie, um, was it Now and Then? Now and Then, yeah. Where I've never seen it. It's Christina Ricci as like the young Rosie O'Donnell, and it like jumps between the two of them. But like they're, oh. s- they're <gasps> so different. Yeah. Like Christina Ricci's doing her thing, and then it like cuts to the present day, and for some reason she now like has Rosie a Donnell, Long like, Island yeah, accent. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell like walks in and she's like, hey, what's going on? What the fuck's with all the food on the can, eh? What's going on, eh? <laughs> that's incredible. And that's Christina Ricci just as like a sullen, a sullen kid. She's like, doing yeah. her thing. It's like the funniest mom. transition of all time. It's also like perspective wise. I'm not sure if you guys watch Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. No. It's incredible. And Christina Ricci has an actress playing the child version of her character. And she's also playing her character. And they act as each other very yeah. well. So you know Christina Ricci has the chops. Yes. Yeah. The person in that in that equation who doesn't have the chops, <laughs> I believe, is Miss O'Donnell. <laughs> Oof, <duh>. Yeah. <laughs> what was the yeah, other Rosie O'Donnell? Yeah, I never moved out of my hometown. Never my hometown. What do you want me to do about it? Was, was <laughs> it's like uh, every scene in that movie. What do you want me to do about it? Was it Mrs. Winterborn that Rosie O'Donnell was also in? Uh, no, it's um. I can find out right now for you what the other the other Rosie that we covered is. It was like right after now and then. It seemed like they were just like decided they were back to back movies. Wait, are together. you doing an O'Donnell podcast now? What if we did? Uh, <laughs> what about Rosie? <laughs> what about <laughs> Rosie? <laughs> what if, Rosie cheeks? Rosie cheeks. <laughs> uh, Stuart, it was. Where is it? We definitely covered another Rosie, right? Yeah, was it a TV movie or like? Maybe it was a TV movie. Let me check. Is it weird? The that Twilight of the Gold. The Twilight of the Gold. A movie that have, really has you asking the question. <laughs> this movie is so fucked up. It's very fucked up. It's a TV movie. It's if you could take a test and determine if your child was gay, would you abort it? 
I'm going to throw up. That is the pitch the, of this Into movie. my water bottle. And the movie presents it as like this deep moral dilemma for the kids. It's a very, it's evidently the hardest Sorry, choice they ever have to make. It's in a Sophie's life. choice. It's like literally it's, Sophie's choice for a gay, a potential, yeah. a potentially gay baby. And yep. every, and like for some reason, the main character um, who is played by Jennifer Beals uh, will frequently like go to this department store where Rosie O'Donnell works. And like Rosie's just like, I don't know, get rid of the baby, keep the baby. What do you know? I don't know anything. I don't have any kids. <laughs> so every they scene... brought in a lesbian, yes, to validate, yeah, to give a non-opinion yes. on whether or not another gay child needs to be in this world. What year was this? This was like uh, two years. No, uh, this was ninety seven, ninety yeah. Because the movie's uh, like seven. The movie's also like trying to be like pro lgbt in some way i'm sure yeah it's kind of it's hard to to pitch this movie and not be like but if it were gay we'd still love it because like fraser plays like the The gay gay brother brother. who's like the black sheep of the family and that's like the dual like decision deciding factor this movie is like the sister who's pregnant and knows that she's her child's going to be gay has to then like square with her brother of like we're thinking about aborting this baby like the and david's like you're essentially killing me in that regard and it's really like a the movie's ugh. trying to like it has like at the end of course the message is like don't get rid of it like love the baby we love the guys yeah but like the fact that all these characters are going through this moral dilemma when the answer is so obvious it's like uh-huh. no it's oh. not a reason it's like it, this is not a decision <laughs> this is not like a hard decision to make Ooh, it's just it's such an interesting time to reflect on yeah. Such an interesting time to reflect on. These things are only six years apart, and this is also a movie that has you know questionable thoughts. Yeah. About the gay community. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's only represented by one character, but. Yeah. Where even are we in the plot right now? Well, I was just gonna like to, to yeah just to to kind of cap off with like the table of doom. He so Dickie Roberts is talking about how he talked to Brendan Fraser about you know, giving him like a shot at the audition. And they're all like, ah, Fraser isn't going to call. Like it's not going to work. And then like per perfect timing, his phone rings. It's Brendan Fraser. And so he picks up the phone. It's like, Hey, Brendan. He's like, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I can be there tomorrow at noon. Yeah, sure. He's like, Brendan came through. (laughs) And that's pretty much the last he's mentioned. Yeah. In the film. Pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, it's just like you said, Jeff. It's like Brendan's the only like Brent, real this, celebrity cameo that's yeah. like not treated like a joke yeah. and not treated like a jerk. Because this is Brendan at the peak of his career. If you ask Brendan, he will get you a job on a Rob Reiner movie. Because this is like it's like basically right after this is when he starts having his flop era. Uh huh. Yep. Because it's like before this, it's Quiet American Mummy Returns, uh, Bedazzled. Like these movies are doing okay for him, if yeah. nothing else. Um, but after this, it's like Looney Tunes back in action, Journey to the End of Night, The Last Time the Air I Breathe, During the Sun of the Earth, Mummy 3. And that's kind of like roughly yeah. where it ends. Morgan, have you seen Monkey Bone? No. I recommend it, if anything, just to like read the context behind it, know like the story it's based off, know that it's a Henry Selleck movie. Oh. And then to like watch what it became turns and turns into okay because the monkey bone we talked about is the most frustrating movie we've probably covered because of how good it could have been and it isn't okay Uh, i'm going to look it up now um very intrigued he's credited so far down the imdb line you have to credit monkey bone of course first yeah yeah i'm just looking for brendan's name where are you brendy 
So, yeah, he gets he gets the audition. He goes and he meets with Rob Reiner. And this is when the movie, it starts improper, the the conceit. Yeah. So he meets with Rob Reiner and Rob Reiner. Oh, Stuart. We didn't talk about the hair. Oh, Brendan's hair? Brendan Fraser's hair? Yeah, we didn't talk it's about the hair. It's plugged out, baby. Um, oh, okay. He's got a hat let's... on for his... Yeah, the, the bulk of his interaction. Well, so. let's uh, let's talk about the cue the, the music. Oh God! Oh wait, there's music. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. Stuart, here's the here you go. <laughs> Jeff, I love the growing pains of the iPad that you're having right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's just regular hair, because like there's nothing really that interesting about it so i guess i'm going to put it um above dudley do right below glory days okay so it's gonna be number uh 17 give me number 17 morgan back when we did travolta we ranked all of his hairstyles yes. in every movie of course and then we decided you know we were gonna do something else for fraser and we said we'd think of something else and we never did so we're just doing the hair this is that. also an appropriate timeline yeah. to like match yes so it, there is a lot of transition that happens and even with like his oscars campaigning i feel like there's a lot of different images for his Oscar campaigning over the past year where I, I don't know what era of his life he's in. No, mm. but I know it's 2022. Yeah. <laughs> right. But his hair, like the shifts happen so quickly. Yeah. I think it's the cowboy hat that I think he should stick with. Stick with. Because I think his hair, it's not that his, his hair has not been falling out, hasn't been falling out. It's not that he's had like a hair issues. He's just getting to the age where it's like. It's receding. Yeah. It's receding. It's, it has receded. It's thinned we, out a little we bit. We also know how stressed out he is in his personal life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't, I mean, we're not going to get another George of the Jungle or, Maine. Uh, you know, the, the Bill Hugh from Mrs. Winterborn. He is so hot in Monkey Bone. I'm looking at until you see him when he's possessed. Oh no! Oh, I did uh, see like is is this is that what this is? Let me find the image again. This? No, that's Chris Kattan. <laughs> Chris Kattan. He's so hot. Chris Sorry. Kattan. Uh, 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 oh, 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 oh no! Oh no! Did you know Chris Kattan dated um, Jennifer Coolidge for a long time? I had no idea. And I really I want to be a fly in the wall of that bedroom, like when Chris Kattan and Jennifer Coolidge are like. Making what, magic happen. <laughs> yeah, you just know? like figure out what that's like. Yeah, like <laughs> is he going full Bonkos Bonko mode, or is she like full Jennifer yeah. Coolidge? Like, oh, Chris Kattan. Like, what's the energy there? Oh, Morgan, you saw Nope, right? Yeah. I remember we talked about Nope um, last time we saw each other. Um, Monkey Bone is actually interesting as like a piece of the Nope puzzle hmm. because Kattan's in that movie and he's playing a dead body. Oh. Um, who's been reanimated in a movie that's mostly about a monkey. Did the monkey kill him? No, but he is chasing the monkey. Oh, Chris Kattan's performance yeah. on SNL. And <laughs> this movie is directed by Henry Selleck, mm -hmm. who Jordan Peele spends the last three years working with. Oh. On Wendell and Wilde. I don't think we made this comparison when we recorded I don't, the episode. I don't remember if we did. That is... But I, I, I'm seeing the animation on this movie. Yeah. It looks pretty sick actually so i kind i kind of feel like that whole monologue and nope about Catan just killing it as the monkey yeah might have come out of peel working with selick talking about monkey bone where Catan is essentially 
playing monkey for a monkey paw production film yes oh i have to watch this i kind of think that's where that comes from i like that that's that's a very jordan peele move is to slip that in there i think that's where that weird like you know ping pong of uh connections comes to to get that line in Mm mm-hmm I recently yeah. I, I watched that monologue yesterday, so I love that you just brought that up. Hell yeah! I I don't know how I stumbled across it on my my YouTube algorithm knows me too yeah, well. Sometimes but you it, get those those clips. Yeah, and I was like, dude, I have to see Stephen Yun do this again because mm-hmm. it's such a good read of any monologue. <laughs> just like him looking off to the distance, and, and like Katana's you know, just crushing. He's it. Just, he's rewatching an SNL sketch in his head, <laughs> and then they're just like intersplicing it with his poor traumatized child face, and it's like, damn, this is good. <laughs> cinema, cinema, <laughs> the cinema, yeah, montage. Um, but yeah, this is the this is the scene in uh, where he's in Rob Reiner's office talking to him about i want to be in your movie and he's like yeah. here's the thing like you're exactly the height i like that i would want the height. <laughs> but the problem is it's like this is a really big role and it's yeah. going to take a the performance like the movie hinges on the performance and the guy is a normal guy like yeah. he's just that's all rob reiner has to say about his character is he's that a the, normal guy he's just a normal guy and you but that's are... basically how every rob reiner movie passed 1995 it's, it's yeah like, it's, it's about a normal guy and he maybe cracks open the Watergate scandal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, every Rob Reiner movie after 1995 is that pitch. Yeah. And so he's like, and you're not a normal guy. You never like lived your childhood. And that's when like the the early 2000s music settles in. Mm-hmm. The light, the imaginary light bulb goes off. The camera pushes into David Spade. He's like, oh yeah, that's what I got to do. Robert's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I got to relive my childhood. Zoinks, <laughs> and uh, that's when he is talking to his manager's Sydney. But like, you can't hire a family to like raise you again. Like, what do you what do you mean? This is crazy. But he sells. It's like we don't we don't have like enough money as it is. So he does. Is he sells the rights to his autobiography, um, or he sells his autobiography because he already wrote it. And he says, like, he tells the guys, it's like, hey, so because I'm working for Rob Reiner, like, there's some raunchy, raunchy stuff in there that you may need to, to, like, cut out. It's like, like, but there's, like, this bit with where you had a light bulb in your ass. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's really funny. I'm like, yeah, we should probably cut that out. It's like, it's a whole chapter. <laughs> yeah. I know. And it's like, what was with that? It's like, well, every time I bend over, I have a good idea. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's really good. That's really good. I mean, there are a lot of really funny nods to like what his childhood must have been yeah. like. Because like even when he's he's talking to Rob Reiner that first time and he's like, well, so you're a kid on Christmas morning, you come downstairs, yeah. you see a, a red bicycle. He goes, holy shit, a bicycle. <laughs> and like that was so funny to me yeah. when he read it. He's like, oh, oh, you're six. Holy crap, a bicycle. You're six. Goo goo ga ga ga. It's like you went too far back. You went that too- is that is the stupidity of Happy Madison films that I will always yeah. come back to and be like, this feels like a warm blanket to me. Yeah. Like this kind of stupidity. Yeah. I love it. And so he's told he has to learn how to be a norm, how to have a normal childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so he puts an ad in the paper. He puts an ad in a paper. Uh, Twenty thousand dollars for a family that can like raise me. Yeah, for a month. For a month. Yeah kind of a ridiculous deal yes yeah and the economy wasn't even that bad then 
No. It was it was a thri- it was a good economy. Yeah. If, if you're upper white middle class. I was gonna say like when you think which of- this family most certainly is they own a car dealership and have a big house in California. Yeah. And yet they're struggling, Jeff. Yeah. We cannot pay this actor. Yeah. Yeah. Or get paid by this actor. Uh, real quick, have you guys seen the poster for Rob Reiner's most recent movie? Throw no. it down. Uh, I'm ready. Shock and awe. Maybe and my favorite uh, poster ever. <gasps> the truth. Matters. What has James Marsden been up to? Uh, he, he was, was in Westworld for a while. He was in, oh, yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. he was in Westworld and everyone's like, this is his comeback. And then no. he's in two Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's what he's been up to. That's true. Yeah. Since uh, Westworld. When did Westworld start? 2016. 2016. Since 20, uh, or since Westworld started, he is in, in terms of movies that you guys would know the names of, Shock and Awe, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, two Sonic the Hedgehog oh, yeah. movies, The Boss Baby 2. The Boss Baby. And The New Enchanted. What was He's he... making the family money. Like, yeah. he is he make, is. that he's making coin. What Good was he him. in, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? He's... In the oh, in the extended cut, he plays Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Oh, okay. But not in the um, the cut that got released. Yeah, yeah. Cut. Okay. Um, but yeah, we we then get this cringy montage of him going from family to family, who he's gonna stay with. I uh, confession on my rewatch this week, I like left the room for a little bit when that was happening. I was like, I can't. They they've already started. The montage is the curse of the Happy Madison film. Yes. Yeah. And and it's probably an okay scene to like walk out of for. Yeah. I was like, I got to fill my water bottle, like <laughs> do something else for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> walk walk the, around. The first house that he goes to is you see it's like a, a shack on the road and there's yeah. an Ameri- there's a Confederate flag pinned up yeah. and there's a like a rabid dog like coming yeah. after him. He's like, get in the house, boy. <laughs> now that is an American childhood. Yeah, yeah. But that would have at least been authentic. He's like, not today, deliverance, <laughs> and then leaves. That was a pretty good bit yeah. too. And then it's the the black family. It's the black family, which is very, yeah, very uh, cringy and cancelable. Yeah. There's just like all stereotypes. I'm not even gonna go into it. Yeah, no. I mean, everything about this film that isn't just like the white middle class family yeah. is a stereotype. Yes. Yeah. Because um, then it's the gay guy. Then it's the gay guy who, um, like, basically says, "Like, I want to, like, I'll show you how to be. I'll be your daddy." That's oh, so horrifying. The, it's the, the tone. It's the classic like gay man groomer trope. Yeah. Awful, awful. I'm stuff. Trying to find what that actor's name is who plays that guy. He um, um. He plays that role a lot, and I he it's like a spitting. Re, re, it's like a remake of the airplane character. He does it consistently. Uh, it's Ian Gomez as Strange Man. Strange Man. <laughs> they don't say gay man. They it's say strange. strange man. A bit off. Um, and I know because I can recognize his face, but the backdrop of his IMDb <laughs> is a Disney television <laughs> backdrop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So... Also, uh, asterisk, because I know you guys recently recorded the Oscars episode. I was so annoyed at the long-form Disney ad that the Oscars that were so this year. I was like, right, I'm so fucking sick of When they came Walt out and Disney played a everything. Little Mermaid trailer, that yeah. was insane. Right after they lost the animation Oscar. Yeah. Though, I was like, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had to get the final set. Disney owns it all. Um, but after that guy is when he goes to um, the Finneys. 
Yes. I think is their last name, right? The that Finney. is their fa- That is their name. Don't yeah. wear it out. The Finney family. Uh, and so the Finneys, they live in a big house in suburban yes. California. Perfect. Where housing is so cheap and accessible to everybody of all cultures and backgrounds, not just white people. um and uh yeah so he meets the dad george finney played by craig uh birk am i saying his name right i don't know it's Um, close enough and mary mccormick who plays grace finney um so grace finney has no idea about this deal this was something that george the dad like had done with had like made with um Dickie Roberts on the side because he needs the money, right? Because supposedly <laughs> his dealership is failing. Supposedly, um, and so like he takes him in behind Grace's back, and she's like, "Who are you?" It's like I'm I'm gonna be staying here for a little while. You guys got a nice place here, and he's like, they call him uh, Stranger Danger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is a very funny nickname. Yeah. All the kids do, um, and so like he moves in with like they put him in the kids room which so is weird yeah like okay it's, uh, like having this strange guy in your house for twenty thousand dollars like okay sure you can sell okay. me you can sell me but you put him with your children in the bedroom and just trust him instinctively and give him a water bed like, yeah <laughs> the whole thing they just like they all go with it so comfortably and like this guy like you can watch all the times he's been on the news for like doing crazy stuff mm-hmm like this family, like this would be the equivalent of like this. Hey, Macaulay Culkin's going to spend a few nights in our kid's bedroom. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Stranger danger. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and so I, the rest of this movie is like a little bit of a wash in my head. Like I know like little beats, but a lot of it is just like, and everything goes crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty much all it is. The next thing I could think of is like the dinner scene where they're having dinner together. Am I missing anything in the middle here? Like, I mean, there's a lot of uh, tension flowing back and forth between the mom and Dickie, and she's very not on his side for a yeah. while. And then obviously turns when he chews out the neighbor for yes. her. And she's like, wow, you're so mean. Like, I don't stick up for myself enough. Yeah. Uh, he teaches her how to stick up for herself. She t- he teaches the son how to get the girl. And he teaches. What does he teach the daughter? How he to like, dance? How to dance? Yeah. Oh, Make the dance team. Slut shames children. Yeah, he slut shames a child. And then, and then the kids start slut shaming by the end of the film, and it's like a point of novelty. <coughs> slut. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, that's so funny." <laughs> um, but yeah, the first thing I remember is like the dinner scene when like Dickie Roberts sits down with the family, but the dad isn't there, and that's where yeah. we get the first inkling of like, where, where's tension uh, at home, where's the daddy? Home. He says daddy a lot. Way dad. He says mommy and daddy way, it's... way more than I'm comfortable with. <laughs> One too many times that I am comfortable with. Yeah. Um, it's like, where's daddy? It's like, daddy's not usually here for dinner. He works late. Uh, which is like the little inkling of like, oh, they need a father figure. I called the shot like right. I mean, it was very predictable, but I was like, okay, he's 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 going to get with the mom. like, And he's going to be their new dad. Yeah. Like, already calling it. It's going to happen. Um, and he leaves to go like use the bathroom. And the son, whose name is Sam... Yeah, it's Sam and Sally. 
uh, Sam played oh, by Scott there was a joke, family. There was a joke by the father who was like, there's Sam and Sally. Obviously, Sam's the boy, so Sally must be the girl. And I'm like, oh, weird gender stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why do you have to make It's a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as he's upstairs, Sam is like, we should just make him sleep in the, the treehouse. And so he comes back downstairs. Um, Dickie hears all this, though. He hears like all the family talk about how much they don't want him in the house. So like they're going to make him sleep in the treehouse. So then he walks back to the dinner table. It's like, hey, stranger danger. You sleep at the treehouse. Like, okay. Cut to he's in the treehouse. And then later at night, the kids hear some music. So they wander down. Dickie has like decked out this treehouse. Mm-hmm. And this is like the first like kids bonding with Dickie moment yeah. where they're like, just saying the phrase "kids bonding with Dickie" just like <laughs> the more we say it, the it worse it sounds. Really roll off the tongue yeah. comfortably. The kids become like, very friendly with Dickie. The like, kids spend a night with Dickie, and it's like every time we say house. it, it's getting worse. <laughs> they become very comfortable and close with Dickie. The mom has her reservations about Dickie. They but start the doing the dance Dickie with Dickie. Dickie. <laughs> How much can we go with this? It could take it forever. I've been thinking this this entire recording. <laughs> so just, just like, we keep is, saying Dickie like this. <laughs> Will get flagged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sally does the Dickie routine at the dance. Yeah, um, yeah there's so many. It is funny because this is the bulk of the movie, but it's what we're going to, like, we're speeding through because, like, it's this repetition of the same bit. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. montage effect. It yeah. killed me by the end of the The film. entire middle hour of the movie is just a prolonged montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just some random things I took note of during this time is, like, Two blink one eight two needle drops, so that's when you know when this movie set. Yes. yes. It is kind of sick. Actually. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it so much. It brought me back. <laughs> I also noted um that early two like the early two thousands, I feel like there's just this obsession with like water slides and yeah. yes. slip and slides. I feel like that is also a happy Madison trope though, because yeah. so much of like grown ups in my head yeah. takes place at a water park. <laughs> yeah. And like there's I've seen so many of that like slip and side joke of like it needs water. Zoinks, and they like yeah. I just that's, remember, that bit's repeated I just so many times as a kid like you knew like you were at like the peak when you got like bonsai falls like those yeah. inflatable like, oh slides. yeah or yes. like you got like the sl- like that was like you're at the top if you had that and like you go to the your friend's house who has bonsai maybe falls. realize yeah. yeah yeah i've been, been like, on a slip and slide for yeah and it's like they hurt they're not fun yeah I, I just I have distinct memories of like bruising my chest or like scraping my knee going too far over yeah. the edge of the slip and slide. Yeah. They were not fun. Yeah. Like, Hot take. I gotta miss it. hundred percent agreed. But there's I like miss slip and like from the years like two thousand <laughs> to two thousand five, like that is just everything. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it. I remember every show I watched, characters had like the slip and slide. Super soaker commercial. Yes, I was gonna say super, the super soaker yeah. was just like oh. having fun with water was like really big for those like that period of time the fun little sprinklers that you could connect and like yeah yeah water park the thing that could pass off as a water park did anybody else have this in like their small hometown when like a water park counted as like a fun little sprinkler in the oh, park oh yeah. yeah 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 it's like it's like they open up a new water park in the in like the downtown area and you go there and it's like there is no slides That's it's literally just pad. like it's just splash zones or whatever mm-hmm. that's all it is yeah well, Stuart, you like you like literally grew up in like ye old West Town or something <laughs> same, like that. Same, same. I get like, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you. Stuart, when you Splash went, Parks. That's Stuart, yeah, yeah, that's when like you the and I, correct name when for When we them. went to your hometown, you actually parked your car along the side of the highway and we got out and got into a covered wagon and then we had to ride that the rest Fuck of the way into town that's because fucking you lit. didn't want to you didn't want to like distract Fuck them off. with your modern technology. 
Oh my I, that, god. That sounds like my hometown. I could have taken I could have taken you to Amish country. Are you near Amish country? No, that's where you're in. Yeah. Indiana. Like From- north north of Fort Wayne, you get really close to Amish it's country. In Pennsylvania. Don't weird. talk to me about Amish. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> also true. Yeah. 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 It's like don't even get me yeah. started. <laughs> the the family that I work for, a weird side tangent. Uh when the the parents first met, their first big date out of town was the husband surprising the wife with a week in an Amish country. Oh, my God. That's a Tim Allen movie. She's like a city girl. She went to the the University of Chicago. And she's like in Amish country. And it's like, (laughs) what the fuck? And he's like, we're making butter. (laughs) (laughs) Ten years later, they're still married. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. My my favorite fun facts learned about Amish country is like when they go to like parties and get like really drunk that their buggies like the horses n- instinctively know where they live and how to get there. I love that. So they have a permanent DD. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, I love that. They don't have to ride like drive back home. They have horse that gets them there. I... And a funny little prank that Amish people will do. I also learned this that what they'll do is they will if they're like one of their buddies gets like really really drunk and they'll be like, "Oh, let's get you home, buddy. Let's get you in your buggy." They put them in somebody else's buggy Lit. and just like Lit. let the horse go. So the person wakes up in a random driveway somewhere <laughs> they've never I been to before. That. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> I recently, my TikTok algorithm somehow threw me on quite a few videos that were like rumspringa talk. Where a lot of 16-year-olds who grew up in Amish country were on TikTok for the first time posting random videos of them like getting drunk oh my <laughs> like, god this is the greatest thing my feet has ever given <laughs> like, me like 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 <laughs> straight up i'm like i need more of those <laughs> give These, me more of they're this. so awkward yes um I, i'm trying to think like again like what you like you said jeff this entire like middle hour and a half is like a complete wash but he, he buys beer for the kids oh that's so fucked up yeah because he's like what then, do you guys drink and they're like we drink soda like root beer and he's like you, you had me with the beer lost me with the root and i'm like well that root came first so you yeah whatever so they lost you right away yeah, yeah. um he's like what else you got and they're like well i guess real beer and he's like i'm gonna go get some and he brings in beer but then he that's, has root beer for yeah, them and then that's the, the end of the scene <laughs> great job jeff <laughs> they really, they, really they, gave, they gave us something with yeah that. Um, like you keep waiting for the punchline yeah and it's just like no i got you kids root beer. i'm just gonna <laughs> like spew out like bits in this movie but i have no idea what order they well, come Stuart in. is just gonna spew out bits it's yeah it's like Stuart spew it's <laughs> like Stuart's just spewing out bits seemingly in the same way that they wrote this movie and just pretty much yeah bits. exactly they had them all on like index cards and then shuffled them and then pulled them out random <laughs> and that was script that's what they did at the beginning of the day every day it's like what are we gonna shoot today oh this is the slip inside bit <laughs> it's like when you watch grown-ups and you realize like i don't think there was a script i think they just kind of like they rented out a full nature reserve and just like they'd be like let's go shoot in that island today let's go figure out a scene and they just go to the island and just riff mm-hmm. pretty much yeah i need to watch grown-ups david spade's also in it yeah Ugh, gr- grown-ups i mean it's like all of these dudes who were like besties in their early 20s yeah. they can riff all day and have a yeah. camera turned on them and and it works. Funny. Yeah. It works. And then Adam Sandler inexplicably married to Salma Hayek in the movie. Of course. <laughs> of course. Don't question it. Yeah. That the Julia Fox and Uncut Gems. Yeah. I had no questions. I got it right Never. away. Yeah. I was like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's every Adam Sandler movie is he wears an oversized jersey and shorts and is like married to like Salma Hayek who has to wear a dress the entire movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the Adam Sandler aesthetic. Yeah. Um the so like the First bit I can think of is like when David, when Dickie Roberts goes to the school 
um, to like pick up the kids, I guess. Yeah, for some so, reason he's being trusted to pick up the kids. <laughs> Stranger he, danger. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Sam is being bullied by some kids, and this is when Dickie just roasts the kids. Yeah. I was expecting a full fight scene to happen, but top ten, yeah. top ten anime destroys entire life. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> right here. Dickie just walk. Dickie just walks up. And just wrecks Beat their lives. He's, lo- he's like, you, gremlin, you, oink, oink. <laughs> and yeah, like, he's you- fat. Yeah, he's like, child. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're fat. <laughs> he's like, go home and cry about how fat you are. He, he, he big dickies, these kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't. Don't. Would it be biggie dickies, Don't these hurt. kids? Just, let's, I'm cutting the podcast off. No, that was it for me. Um <laughs> Fuck, Jesus. We are reaching a, a level of Stuart losing his mind we haven't seen in quite a while on this show. Oh, my God. Being asked to think about the oh, dicky. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Then there's the dance whole sequence. Uh, He's, like, teaching. This one was a little cute. I'm not going to lie. The bonding was cute. Yeah, because he's like he's like writing out. Screen stills from all of them. Yeah, he's, like, writing out this dance for Sally teaching her what to do and he like then there's like a scene where he's like by himself in the garage and he's like writing all the steps out on this long sheet of paper that he brings to the dance mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's so cute like i don't know i like that it's like one of the few things you know he knows how to do yeah exactly it makes perfect sense that he would have all that stuff yeah he would know, know how to do like child dances yeah um and so then he goes to as you bring up the stills it's bringing up a lot of like memories back from this movie yeah like uh, the, the water worm thing I, that was early in the movie yeah, i totally forgot about that yeah. he tries to fill up the water bed and the hose does the whole like zoinks yeah. and goes crazy and the kids are like you didn't have this when you were a kid oh but i didn't have that when i was a yeah. kid i didn't have the yeah. weird wormy hose i didn't have that either when uh the mom pushes him in a stroller yeah that's yeah. the thing that happens that's the scene in- where he stands up to her yeah because the they run neighbor. into edie mcclurg yeah um, yes everyone's favorite love her who they who he just like top five anime just <laughs> top his five. outfit when he's in the stroller is particularly hilarious yeah it's like windbreaker pants and then this like insane floral button-up shirt with the gloves that are hardly mentioned like why is it not made to be more of a thing when he's in a swimsuit with his gloves on like that that's yeah. a good point for them to be like why can't you take Just off your gloves take the gloves off man and yeah they could go into it um and so they go to the dance this is where we get like the very weird strange sexual yeah the weird way they dance. shoot the the 14 year old child yeah and then uh sally does the dance and she like wins the competition she performs to a ride like the wind by christopher cross yes Yes. i actually want to say something funny about this movie um the way this movie starts is the exact same intro that anchorman 2 has both anchorman 2 and dicker outs from each other start with the paramount logo with ride like the wind playing over it Whoa. And then cut into a video montage of the lead character at the height of their success before going into the main story. Do you think they had this as like a pre-saved like thing in their editing software? They and got just like they plug had, in the phone. They, they, the, the Christopher yeah. Cross, throw it in there, throw it in. Yeah, we got this. Throw this the right like the wind. They yeah. won't notice. They won't notice. <laughs> but it's like I watched after I watched this. I watched the Anchorman two opening. I'm like, this is the exact same opening. Yeah. Hmm. Were they cut by the same person? Perhaps they were. That's actually a good question. I, I Roger Bondelli. Um, but something else. Does anything else? 
they pop I mean, the waterbed and they the pop building the water floods. Bed, yeah. Yes. Um, a girl moves in next door who Sam has a crush with, and Dickie kind of teaches him how to act around women, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they, they have a little dance routine yeah. bit where they're using the painter's stilts or whatever. There's also the bit where they're in the treehouse and he explains the story. They're sharing scary stories together. This was kind of funny because like he's like, all right, it's my turn to tell you a scary story. This is the story about the show that got canceled. And then as he's like saying, it's like, so once upon a time, there's a very successful show that tarantula starts crawling on his shoulder. Yeah. So the kids like, oh, my God. It's like, I know it's so scary. Right. That is a funny bit. (laughs) Um, And then I have the next thing I can remember is like Cindy comes back. Yeah. I want to. I just, I want to encompass this entire return of her character through how Wikipedia describes the scene. I want to hear Do it. it. So, um, Dickie begins to realize a lesson he read in the script for Mr. Blake's backyard. Sometimes all the things you need are in your own backyard. At this time, Cindy returns to him, and he even earns the admiration of George, who turns out to be inept at, in, at fidelity. Inept at infidelity. Inept at fidelity. Oh, inept at fidelity. Inept at fidelity. Oh, I'm like, he's really bad at cheating. I want to know who wrote this Wikipedia and decided who just, who like, instead of writing out, who turns out to be cheating on her. He writes, to be inept at fidelity. A goddamn scholar. That's yeah. who. Yeah. F- and then, uh, you know, George runs off with Cindy, essentially, is what happens. Yes. I just yeah. wanted to, I wanted to let that Wikipedia writer get his moment in the sun. I think she, you don't it, know. Yes, we cannot gender. We cannot gender our Wikipedia writers. We only pray to them every night. Yes. Yeah. The, I remember the Lord's work. There's this incredible New York Times about like the most prolific radio, uh, Wikipedia writer a few years ago who has like over like five, like a hundred thousand edits. Are not getting paid for that work. Dude. Yeah. And he just does it. Yeah. For fun. I recently saw the the depths of Wikipedia live show. Mm. Do you guys follow that Instagram no. account? Mm-mm. I'll send it to you later. But it's she goes in on like the people who are like long term editors yeah. and like who they are as people is just like a construction worker. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Good stuff. That's awesome. That's yeah. really nice. Um, but yeah, he so Dickie Roberts is like sort of falling into this lesson. Oh, and the whole thing with the script, that was a scene that happened earlier where like um, the mom uh grace um <laughs> tried my best here tried my best um <laughs> and uh she reads the script for dicky and she's like in tears like it's so beautiful and it's all about he has heaven in his backyard and dicky just doesn't understand it but in this point of the movie he's starting to understand it he's understanding like what's important to him there's a cute little scene where it's like they're faking like a christmas morning situation for him yeah. Where, like, they get him, like, a bicycle. It's, like, r- mimicking the Rob Reiner bit in yeah. the mm-hmm. audition. So he comes downstairs, and it's really cute because he, like, looks at it, and, like, the camera cuts, and you s- he's, like, looking at the family. Yeah. He's like, ooh, He really gets it. Yeah. And nice. he is now, he's now more of a father to these kids than their real father ever was. Yeah. yeah. And then tragedy strikes. Yes. Rob Reiner is attacked. Yes. So this is <laughs> so insane. And I love this bit when it comes back because he gets in his car from the restaurant. It's the same car that Dickie stole at the beginning of the movie. So he get and then well, we don't see him getting beat up. We just see like uh news Sydney calls Dickie. Sydney. Yeah, instead of Cindy, the girlfriend, it's Sydney, his manager. I didn't make these names. I didn't write <laughs> yeah, them in. Honestly. <laughs> it's Cindy and Sydney. Um and uh, 
so yeah, his manager calls like, turn on the news. And it's like, Rob Ryder was just horrifically beaten up by this other dude. <laughs> it's just so his right. final words before he was rushed to the hospital was like, I don't know why that man was so violent to me. <laughs> I, just, I really just, that is, like, I knew this funny. was going to be a bit for I you. I it's better that we don't see it and just get the rubber. I don't know why this man was so so attacked me. What's, but I also really just want to see Rob Reiner just give his shit his wrecked. ass absolutely. And mean. then he's just like, I don't know why this guy attacked me. <laughs> it's what, so bad that he needs a kidney. Yeah, and like, that's the best part was because like I I was I was watching this and like we were both like like the manager was like so sweaty yeah. and like very nervous. It's like, why is he so sweaty? And it's like, you got to get to the hospital. So why? It's like, cause I'm giving him a kidney <laughs> to <laughs> get the you audition right now. <laughs> it's like, you got to go before he goes, gets into surgery. <laughs> He's like, Oh my God. <laughs> so that Dickie races to the hospital. He gets to Rob Reiner and we don't see the audition, but we see him running out of the hospital celebrating. Like I got the role. I got the role. And then it cuts to a montage bit where he's like on the tonight show it's like it's basically like when brendan fraser got the part for the whale but before they shot it yeah it's like this big deal of like oh this actor who was once famous and is no longer famous got picked up by this director to this big big role oh it's their comeback and it's like they're celebrating him it's like counting the chickens before they have yeah. hatch mm-hmm. kind of thing and so he's on a private jet and he's already like the new he's already like really popular. I was thinking like the movie hasn't come out yet. Like it could be terrible. <laughs> hasn't even shot it. Right. Mm. It's like, but he's already getting like all this fame. He's on Regis and, and Kelly. Yeah. A testament to an era. Um, yeah. Yeah. We the movie we would covered last week, Die Hard. Uh, it starts off with a re, like a Regis and Kelly or Kelly and Michael riff. Mm-hmm. But it's a telling of how like cheap that movie is filmed for. They couldn't even get real Kelly and Michael. <laughs> That's awesome. Because like this movie, they like Regis and Kelly appear in black and white on a TV screen. That is their cameo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Die Hard could not get them. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even get them in this movie. They shot them. it in five minutes before, like during a commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> and I know ran in. like the stuff on the Tonight Show, they use like archive footage. Yeah. Um, just from David, of David Spade, Spade like, being appearing. on yeah. the Tonight Show. He performs with Steven Tyler. Yeah. They get yeah. him like on a stage with Steven Tyler, which was like, if that was like archive footage from what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what was David Spade on with Aerosmith? Like, I don't know. Um, and so, but yeah, he's on a plane, and then it cuts to the family coming back home. Yeah. And they open the door, and Dickie's there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, Dickie, like, what about your movie? It's like, well, maybe the best time to say no is when they really want you. Yeah. That's, like, what he says. It's yeah. like, uh, okay. I don't and know. he the- learns that the real success in life is being having yeah. a family the family that you paid for yeah <laughs> and you've known for maybe two months yeah <laughs> it's not chosen family it's bought family yeah <laughs> yeah um he's been there yeah he's been there for a very short amount of time because mm-hmm. yeah. this is even before the month is up because rob reiner gets assailed <laughs> yeah and so i don't know what happens after that i think the movie it ends we go into we get like a little montage about how he made a uh, oh right TV the reality the tv yeah. show about his experience yeah and all the families like involved in yeah. their own like 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 the mom makes all the production design because it's said in the movie she's like into interior design mm-hmm. great she gets to live out her dream yeah the no the dad son, it's your dream right the son is like 
What's his job? I don't fucking oh. know. Sally choreographs the <laughs> Sally choreographs the dances. Don't look at me for answers. And the cast are all like, is the table of doom child actors yes. are in it. And he gets Cindy a cameo appearance, which yeah. spawns her own show called, called the like the bitch, bitch who didn't, didn't know, know she was, was a bitch. bitch. Great. We love it. Uh, <laughs> Emmy yeah. award winning show. The bitch who didn't know she was yeah. a bitch. Um, I yeah that that was my favorite film of the early 2000s exactly. TV show frequent yeah. right up frequent. there with the Sopranos definitely you know the last season was a little rough but everything before that was fantastic <laughs> um, um so yeah that that's the end of the movie and now that we've <laughs> talked about the pre-show it's time to talk about the real movie the real <laughs> 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 yes because when the credits start rolling we immediately get a like this is not just an audio recording we actually they filmed this of getting all these child actors both who appeared in this movie this reframes the entire movie it yes. really does it's a different film yeah and like child actors who weren't in this movie but are like known child actors it has like text like lower third text underneath their name other other yeah other I believe, I saw coverage a list of all of the people who are in this and it's like this somewhere. person brady bunch this person from this show and like they all have like individual solos in yeah. it and it's basically a song about how all these child actors who loved being child actors, but want a little bit more. Okay, here's the list. Yeah, okay. Willie Ames, Fred Berry, Todd Bridges, Gary Coleman, Jeff Conaway, uh, Tony Dow, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, the, the since past Corey, Christopher Knight, Barry Livingston, Mike Lookingland, Maureen McCormick. Oh, man. Uh, Eddie Mecca, Jeremy Miller, Aaron Moran, Haywood Nelson, Jay North, Ron Palillo, Palillo? Uh, Butch Patrick, Paul Peterson, Adam Rich, Rodney Allen Rippey, Ernest Lee Thomas, and Charlene Tilton. I don't know a lot of these names. Um, yeah, because these are all like kid actors who were grown up. Um by the early 2000s. Yes. These are not child actors like in our generation how we see them. Yeah. Like this, the same version of this song, but today would be like the Disney Nickelodeon stars. Definitely. So it'd be like the Zach and Cody. Yeah. Um, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh. This would be like them all getting together and singing about their time as like Disney and Nickelodeon yeah. like kid stars and all that. And now they're like waiters or doing whatever. Josh Peck, who's now in Oppenheimer? Yeah. Like <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. Oh, very weird. Yeah. It's funny that right after Drake and Josh like ended. He's on Red the, Dawn. No, the vibe was very much I felt like Drake was gonna be the one who like to take off, off and, and Josh, Josh was gonna, gonna kind of just settle in. He did in Mexico. Yes, he did. Yes, he yeah. did. Uh, to flee allegations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did, he, what did he change his name to? Drake, it's Bell in Spanish. And then, something. And then no. What and, a great one. dude. Nice. No, and, and then, is, yeah, it's and, a thing. And he said that he couldn't be deported to the U.S. because he was not Drake Bell. <laughs> That's, he was like Drake, uh, whatever Bell in Spanish is. Under That's, allegations that he assaulted his ex girlfriend. Yeah, assaulted his ex girlfriend and groomed multiple young women. Yeah. Well, like it also. Not that anything he did was was good, but he also he was subjected to a lot of yeah. insane stuff under what's his face. The guy. Uh, Dan, Schneider. Dan Schneider. Dan Schneider. Yeah, the guy who yeah. absolutely wrecked Amanda Bynes' brain. Yeah. So and he didn't have a lot of healthy influence. Yeah, especially like the thing about like that era of Nickelodeon shows is like they were all sequels to the previous one. 
So there'd be like your people, like your Amanda Bynes and your Drake Bells, who like were in that thrall for like a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, See, and Miranda why? Cosgrove, who got like their own spinoff show, yeah. who was in it for even longer. Well, no, that's too. the thing is all that like kind of starts it. Amanda Show's a spinoff of all that. Drake and Josh is a spinoff of the Amanda Show. iCarly is a spinoff of Drake and Josh. And then there's uh, Sam and Cat. Sam and Cat. And we know what of... happened to Jeanette McCurdy yeah. now. Like, so if if we know that this is happening at this point in Hollywood, like these kids are going through this like machine and factory yeah. uh, vibes where they're being created for money yeah. to make people money. Why is that not touched on in Dickie yeah. Roberts at all? This song exactly. is about. We had a great time yeah. being child stars. Exactly. But just leave us alone now. Yeah. But that's, but that's yeah. not And don't even, forget yeah, about us. Don't forget about us is like so yeah. much of it. But also like Dickie doesn't want to be left alone. Yeah. He wants to be back in because he's been pushed out of yeah. the machine. Yeah. They don't touch on any of the effects yeah. of that. But D- they, they all know it's there. They're like nodding to it. Dan Schneider is the crime junkie podcast episode that I need to listen to right yeah. now. Because there's Ooh. just so much shit. There's a lot on YouTube. So much you stuff. you ever feel like feeling bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just all the stuff that went down. Because like just. Uh, like this, No arrests though. No like movie. cancellations or anything like that. Like. I don't want to like rag on this movie too much for this, but this does promote like this toxic version of like how to perceive child actors mm-hmm. being like, Oh yeah, they were so great. Why couldn't they just sort it all out? Why couldn't they just figure the problems out? And it's like, yeah. no, it's not them. It's the, what's what they're being put through. Yeah. What's the fact that this, this grown man doesn't know what it's like to have a Christmas present yeah. to yeah. come downstairs to. That's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> like that's fucked up. And yeah. instead we just get this song. It's that, like, we loved our time. Yeah. It's Don't forget about us. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many people in this end song montage, like, had overdoses? Or like, That's what God. I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a project that we should genuinely try to like, figure out. Like. Todd Bridges, I feel like. I don't know, man. Like, Corey Haim and Feldman at minimum. Like, yeah. they have a montage together and they both, like have incredible substance abuse problems like the year after this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they need to make another one. <laughs> Dickie Roberts too. But instead of like Dickie Roberts, it's like a Nickelodeon star. Yes. Oh, no. Josh Peck. Oh my God. Give after, him his own. After Oppenheimer gets him an Oscar nomination. Do you think it'll happen? I don't, I don't think he's going to have a big enough role in that movie. Yeah. It looks like he's basically just like playing a scientist. Mm. Yeah. He's probably, it's, he's going to be the equivalent of Topher Grace in Interstellar. Uh, yeah, I see yeah. it. Where it's just like, it. apparently no one like really likes these like teen like sitcoms. Interesting. Like he fully is like openly like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that 70s show. <laughs> I just want to put Tover in Interstellar for like the bit. Really? It's like something like that. He's like, he openly cops to like liking all these things you wouldn't expect Christopher Nolan to like. Well, I mean, it's, I feel like it's the same thing with the Harry Styles casting. That he is like, oh, I didn't even know what One Direction was before I cast him. I'm like, that's such bullshit. That's you a knew. lie. Yeah. You knew. You yeah. knew how much money that would bring in. You uh, real, <laughs> real quick thought experiment before we get to like the post text. Uh, if there were to be like a reimagining of like a Dickie Roberts, but reimagined to today with like featuring a grown up Nickelodeon or Disney star, who should direct it? Who would, who would be the director of that movie? It's a great question. I feel like it's got to be someone with like a lot of like. I mean, I don't, but it could go Dude, in so many directions. my first thought was Harmony Corinne. Harmony Corinne would be mm. a good choice if you're looking for like an outsider, like who can get into that mindset. Yeah. Like really expose some of the more fucked yeah. up detail. I'm almost just fully like, you should just like have one of them make it. 
Oh, like, like yeah, but then, too? but then I feel like you get a Honey Boy situation. That's fair. Where he like did make it and directed it, and uh, you thought it was exposing some of the like more harmful side effects of being a child star, but then you find out he fucking lied about it. Yeah, he openly was like, yeah, a lot of the Honey Boy script was false. Yeah, well, and I I do think um, Judy has a little bit of the child actor stuff in it too. Yeah, uh, about Judy Garland, but I I think but that one's. I don't know that that's like a much more and that that is that's about a different time it like, is it is you need something about like to present. this like present day and what the current mean like because like there wasn't social media when Judy Garland was done being a child star but imagine like in a day like today where like you were in all these other shows uh sort of on topic but not on topic like uh the cast of Ned's Declassified just came out with a podcast where they're talking about each episode of the show and just it's like a fun like podcast where they're talking about all their good memorable experiences in it and it's not like a I won't say it's not like fr- family super friendly friendly like they're you know they're being adults they're saying swear words and things like that just like having a good mm-hmm. time but like almost like I want it to kind of be like somewhat of a conversational dialogue type of movie where I feel like Selena Gomez could pull that off Maybe she's just like in the yeah. the atmosphere right now with all of her her TikTok drama but Yeah um I feel like she has a good head on her shoulders while also having enough exposure to how fucked sure. up it is yeah. to be able to say something. Um, but now she's like making documentaries and writing with Steve Martin and Martin Short. So she yeah. has like a more yeah. uh, external perspective. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's and a good idea. She was in Spring Breaker. Yeah. She was okay. also in. Yeah. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. Let's team these two people up again. Yeah. <laughs> Get that Selena Gomez, Harmony Korine group together and make, what are we going to call this movie? Dickie Roberts. <laughs> what if they remade just Dickie Roberts? I love it. I <laughs> like that's it. how they do it. Yeah. It's just a remake of Dickie Roberts. <laughs> yeah. I do have to get out of here soon. Yeah. I was okay. Gonna say, we, let's yes. kind of wrap so, this up. Um, po- quick post text of this movie. Uh, this movie doesn't do well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did find one article on Vulture. I was like trying to find something that came out when it came out. Uh, this article is, for, is from September 8, 2008. Um, Da, da, da. It's talking about Paul Dergarabedian, um, box office analyst. He mentions <laughs> the movie Bangkok Dangerous debuted in the top slot with a hilarious $7.8 million, the lowest haul for a number one movie since David Spade's Dickie Roberts, former child star. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, this movie tanks. Makes $23 million off of a $17 million budget. Oh, jeez. Um, disastrous. Yeah. Um, cons- critical consensus is also low. Um, Roger Ebert kind of he makes the point that this movie um, is too schmaltzy. Yeah, he says you need. He said you needed a Steve Martin or a Jim Carrey in that role. Steve Martin probably a little too old to play that yeah. role at this time. Yeah. Um, unless you really change up your same concept. with Jim Carrey. Like I don't think the age was the problem. I think it's just. Yeah, I feel like an RDJ would be really good in that. Oh role. my god! Because he was also a fucked up yeah. child actor. Yeah, I didn't even. You just like that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, it's like I feel like it's a fucked up sequel to um that Brett Easton Ellis movie he did. Um, F. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it up. But yeah, movie doesn't do well. It's not doing anything. I don't think it doesn't really do anything for anybody's careers. Is it the Informers? No, it's uh, it's the film where he's like, oh my god, this is gonna kill me. It's not the one with Lindsay Lohan. No, 
Give me his. Uh, I gotta go to IMDb. Less than zero. Less than zero. That one, where he's like the incredibly like privileged rich kid. Yeah. Just like going on a drug bender. I feel like if he were to revisit the same character in this like Dickie Roberts slapstick fashion, mm. it would be really awesome. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with that. I would love to see Robert Downey Jr. make a movie about his trouble years that isn't Iron Man 3. Yes. Like, I love Iron Man 3. Don't get me wrong, but I would love to see him address it in a way that is not Iron Man 3. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's his only, like, little bit of addressing of his trouble years has been Iron Man 3. Yeah. (laughs) Not one, not two, but three. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so, so, uh, so Dickie Roberts, I would say, like, just a quick, like, comment on, like, David Spade's career in a strange way that I'm saying David Spade's career. Because uh, before this movie, like he's doing like you know a fair a fair healthy amount of stuff. He was just coming from Emperor's New Groove. He oh, uh, slaps every had time. Joe Dirt before this, and then uh, he also voiced uh, some character in the Rugrats movie. But after this, like some character, he plays the park ranger. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. And so, but it, it's after this movie, he's really just doing kind of more like TV roles, some voice roles. Then he gets the Benchwarmers, a, a classic. And then Grown Ups, and then pretty much like everything from there, it's just, it's really just Adam Sandler projects. This is the end of the David Spade as leading man experiment. Yeah. He goes into being supporting player in other comedies with Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do anything else to anybody, anybody's career. This isn't going to bring anybody back. It isn't going to demolish anybody down. It just kind of goes unnoticed for the most part. The next time he's a lead in a movie after this, basically, is uh, Joe Dirt 2. Oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that's uh that's Dickie Roberts, former child star. Oh yeah. I think that's I think that's about it. Yeah. Morgan, do you have any final thoughts? Um I am happy to have rewatched it. I probably won't watch it ever again. Yes. Yeah. Um that was enough. But it it did I tapped back into a feeling yeah. that eight year old Morgan would have loved. This has this incredible nostalgia appeal for that period of time for someone who grew up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, just like even the way that it's shot and looks. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of my childhood. This feels good. I know this formula. But yeah. formulaic is my biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like swings and misses. Mm-hmm. A lot of swings and hits in the wrong direction. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make this joke about a black family in L.A. And they hit the ball and it goes flying. And uh, well, now we can't find the ball. Yeah. Now they don't even know where that went. The ball's been shattered. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for this. having me. Hope you had a good time. I did. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on for the first time. Hopefully we'll have you again. Please. I'm here to talk about movies. Yes. All day, every day. And uh, as always, thank you for uh, listening. Please remember to tune in next week for our episode on Looney Tunes. Back in action. Wow. Back in action. Here we go. Um, with special guest David Wolzinski. Um now, as always, uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we're all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram, at TravoltingPod. Find me on Twitter, at Jeff W. Sweeney. Find me on Instagram, at StuartL195. Anything you want to plug, Morgan? Um, Don't find me on the internet. It's all a secret. If you do, <laughs> uh, request me. Bye. <laughs> um... Oh, uh, email us trollsingpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that's taking you out, and Ange Gardner for our social media. Have a great week, folks. See you next time for Looney Tunes Back, Back in, in Action. action. Woo!